Thanks for tuning in to, w- to WPSL this morning for We Are Just Christians. We're glad you're on the air. I mean, we're, we're glad we're on the air and we're glad you're listening. And hope you can stay with us for the rest of the hour. My name is Mike Schmidt, as you just heard. With me is Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. We're so grateful we can be here and that God has blessed us with this time and opportunity. And we'd like to talk with you about some spiritual things this morning. And we'd like to hear what's on your mind. This is a live call-in show. So we'll be taking your calls, comments, questions, and we'll give you the information how to do that in just a second. But We Are Just Christians is about spiritual things, and the premise of the show fundamentally is that because of our belief in the Scriptures as the inspired Word of God, we believe that it's still suitable and and relevant for today's time. So we think people should be just Christians here in the first century, just like they were in I mean, in the 21st century, just like they were in the first century. Well, Gary, you know, at some point I'm going to get my act together here in a moment and we'll be on track. <laughs> well, I was going to add something uh, to that, uh, what uh, you t- said. Talking, but I was going to add something to that. I think Jesus feels the same way because he said in John 12:48, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So he's saying Jesus' words is going to judge us in the last day, not not something else, not something that's changed with not time. Not the New York Times. Not the New York Times, certainly. Not some political convention, that's right. And, and not some, uh, some uh, denominational creed. It's that's going right. to be what he speaks. is going to judge us in the last day. That's the, that's the important one. Well, let me tell you how to get a hold of us here on We Are Just Christians. There's several ways to do that. Number one, you can call in the show, which we prefer because we can have a live conversation. You can reach us by calling 772-340-1590. We can take your call from anywhere in the U.S., maybe the world for all I know. 772-340-1590 is the number. Uh, you'll be put on, you know, we'll ready there at the station. I'll patch you through to us, and here's the way that works. We're not going to argue and uh, bait you, set you up. We want to hear what you have to say. You can ask a question. You can make a comment. We'll respond to that, hopefully, if if we can, with a scriptural context, some scriptures for you to look up. And then we're going to give you the last word. So if you want to stay on the air, we can have a conversation. That's how it works. And, And I hope if you've listened to the show, I hope you see that's how it works. It's not about just embarrassing people or creating some kind of controversy. If we disagree, we'll say so. If we agree, we'll say so. It's 772-340-1590. You can also reach us by text message at 772-260-6120. That's mine. That's Mike's. 772-260-6120. And then Gary's text messages are available. And we both of these are available not only during the show, which we can try to monitor them. Sometimes we do better than others. But we'll try to monitor those, and we can even accept them all during the week. 772-260-6220. You can email us. We can't check our email during the show. just too much going on. But you can email us, and we'll try to respond to that either privately or on the air at justchristians at att.net. Justchristians at att.net. Now, uh, I think there was a few glitches this morning in the live broadcast. Probably, I think they were working on the tower or something like that. But 
You can also uh, listen to us uh, on the internet by, in several ways. Number one, go to WPSL.com, hit the listen live button, and oh, pardon me, couldn't stop that, I don't have a sneeze button either. Uh, WPSL.com, uh, click the listen live button and you'll be taken right to the show. And that's true all over the United States. I mean, if you've got friends, you want to let them listen to the show, they can listen to WPSL.com around the world. You can also listen to the station, to the show and the station on TuneIn Radio, the TuneIn Radio app on um, the computer, uh, and also of all your Alexa and Google Chrome devices. You can do that. So, in any event, uh, those are some of the ways you can listen to the show. We also have a podcast available at our website, wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show, and we appreciate the people that do. We get emails and we get texts, and we really appreciate that contact with us. We're glad to hear from you, whether we agree or disagree, and uh, that 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 would be great for us. So it makes the show much more interesting. Gary and I always have stuff to talk about. You can just throw one sentence out there, and he and I can talk about it for an hour. That's not a problem. But the question is, you know, what's on your mind? So we're taking some guesses of things that are interesting to us. We try to keep the show kind of current, bring, it, bring the Bible into it to show you how that uh, the Bible is important for us today to understand. And, and the things that go on around us, people's minds are on the things that are going on in society right now. And so some of the things we talk about have to do with that. Some don't, but we, we know that the Bible has something to say here in this modern time. So give us a call, 772-340-1590. Well, Gary, you said you were uh, well, I, thinking I, this week about you know things you hear that there's just no truth out there, that people think well, that anything it, they say must be the truth, and that led you to some, spirit, some scriptures. So well, it, it just made me over. think of some scriptures because as I watch the news and I watch the politics and listen to all the speakers and, and they're saying this and that and something else, it just impressed me that it's it's when it comes to politics and whoever's speaking almost, it's the truth is whatever they want it to be, Mike. Right. And um, it, it just it's brought... spin, isn't it? That's yeah, right. It just brought to mind some scriptures, and these are prophecies, uh, a lot of them from Isaiah, Jeremiah, one, one or two from Amos that I, I wanted to read and let you think. These are prophecies about Israel. Now, this is a prophecy about Israel and Judea and Judah. It's not a prophecy about the United States. Not a, yeah, but, I want to make, I wanna make this clear. I, I think Mike agrees with me on this. Neither one of us believe that there are any specific prophecies about the United States in the, in the scripture. Right. There, there's nothing there. Now, having said that, I will say that generally when nations become corrupt, you don't expect them to pro, to uh, prosper. God's, God's principles are still the same. These, yes. these things are left for us for lessons for understanding. Right. So they apply in that indirect way. We can see the general principles hard for us to say, well, this event happened, so therefore that's God's judgment, or that's fulfillment of this prophecy. That's very difficult to do, honestly, I believe, or at least well. Go ahead. But but basically, when you, when you reach a nation that's in the condition of apparently what some of these prophecies show, don't expect it to prop, to prosper. I don't expect uh, communist China to prosper in the long run because of the things they practice against uh, Christianity and some of the other things. The other, right religions and freedom 
so I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 30, and I'm going to begin reading it, verse 9 through 11. And, uh, Mike, we can talk a little bit about some of the characteristics that are here. In verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 30, he says that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord, who says to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get out of the way, turn aside from the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Now that's that that's lasting. That's that's saying, take take God, take the Holy One of Israel out of our life. Take God out of our life. Now, what have you seen in a lot of cases on the news recently and in in politics? We want to get God out of everything. Gary, I, that I don't. That reference doesn't check out for me. Oh, it doesn't. What, what I, reference do you have? There? Isaiah thirty verse. Oh, nine. you said nine verse thirty. Well, that's what I heard. Okay, the first verses nine heard, through eleven. I heard Isaiah. Okay. Isaiah 30, my, my verses problem. 9 through 11. There you go. I had it backwards. Okay. that That's what I thought I was reading. That's fine. Uh, I just, I, when I looked it up here, it wasn't checking out for me. I got you. All right. So but but basically, problem? cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. In other words, take God out of their life. What's happening to us when we take Christian prayer out of schools? What's happening to us when we take God out of, uh, under God, out of the Pledge of Allegiance. What's happening to us when uh, basically we're saying, don't prophesy, don't say right things, tell us what we want to hear, tell us deceits. Uh, Israel didn't, pro- didn't prosper in this condition, and I don't think any nation will, but this is not a specific prophecy about the United States. First, I want to make that very clear. So it's a, it's a mindset. It's the same mindset in the book of Second Timothy, where he said that in the last days people would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Their ears are right. itching. They want to hear right. a certain thing. They don't want to hear the truth, and so they will only listen to teachers that tell them what they want to hear, and they cancel all the rest. The word today, the the concept today is canceling someone. Just shut them up. Close your ears off. Shout, get a bullhorn. If someone's speaking in an auditorium that you don't agree with, get a bullhorn or air horns and silence them because they're saying things that you don't agree with. Rather than respond to that or just ignore and walk away, or you, you, you want to cancel them out and we have to drown them out with our noise because we want them to prophesy to us smooth things, things we already agree with because our ears are itching to hear things we already like. Well, Galatians 4 and verse 16, Paul says something that I think is really like that. He says, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Yeah. You were, we were friends and now we're enemies because I spoke something true to you. Right. Person. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. When a friend <laughs> wounds you by the truth, it's really a, it's a faithful wound. Mm-hmm. It's not one meant to destroy but to, to aid. And yet we take it that way. We can't hear anything that we don't like. It's We have to have uh, our safe spaces and places like that that we can go where only people who agree with us are allowed in, at least for a while. And then if they say anything, we just we throw them out too. So this is the way universities are now. It's really against the whole system of education, which teaches you to look for at different viewpoints and 
I don't know what they do now with debate. I was in debate from eighth grade to the twelfth grade. And then How all, do you debate under college. those circumstances? I don't know what. Well, debate would be only debating the nuances of some pre-agreed upon position. You might debate the nuances of a pre-arranged, a pre-agreed upon philosophy. But uh, the whole concept is foreign to this idea of a safe space. And yet that's what university was like at one point in time. So, yeah, we're, we're not in a good space place about this. And the people of Israel, they didn't want to hear Isaiah and men like that tell them that they were, that they were uh, sinners and so forth. He, he, he told them that they were adulterers or murderers and liars and they needed to repent or God was going to judge them. And they didn't want to hear any of that. He told the kings that they were they were wicked and corrupt. He told the people that they uh, that, that that they were vile and, and immoral, and they didn't want to hear any of that. But because they wanted to do what they wanted to do. Well, he say, he says in Jeremiah chapter six, and I'm going to just read verse thirteen. You can read some more to get the context of it, because he's he's telling them, you know, things are going to be bad for you because of this. And he says in verse thirteen. Because from the least of them to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And basically, what I keep seeing, if, if there's money in it, people do anything for it. Well, you see, there's this uh, thing that goes back and forth in the years. In, in the, years the, uh, the, people, the people of the United States, they like to blame the politicians. And we need to throw all the bums out and get a whole new group. Of course, who put those politicians in place? Yeah, no, the, no. the people did. Right. And 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 uh, the politicians will say, "Well, I'm only doing what the people want, and I can't say certain things because people object." Well, you know, you could if you hadn't run on those things. If you hadn't run a campaign saying, "Elect me because I'll do whatever you want," but the Bible is different about that. And I don't have the passage in front of me since we didn't discuss this in advance. I can look some of them up here, but. The Bible is pretty clear, as you just read there. God condemned both prophet and priest, the leaders and the kings. Right. And he condemned the people. And I think Jeremiah 5 says, these things are exist, this immorality exists, and my people love to have if it If it's so. so. Okay. So the Bible condemns both the people and the kings and the priests and a big, and a kind of a, and the prophets, kind of a four-way relationship there he condemns all of those as being complicit in this general breakdown of morality in society and that's the way it is now the the, the we have people who would who would elect a man who would have oral sex in the in the oval office with his intern and then we have people who defend that okay and then we have the fact that that happened the statistics have shown that oral sex became a widely accepted among single people as an alternative means and not considered to be sex. The argument there was, well, it's not really sex. And so this became much more widely accepted among young people, sociologists tell us, after the mid-90s when all this happened in the Oval Office. So here you have people electing a man like that. That's their choice, not caring. I was told it didn't matter if the man was immoral and had affairs before that happened. I was told during that time it didn't matter. And then now then that, that person's behavior influences the common people, the young people of society in a bad way. And now they want me to uh, suddenly care about the morality of a president. It's a, it's a strange conundrum, but kings influence the people and the people influence the kings. 
and a certain kind of religious leaders will say anything to maintain their position too. And I, I read it all the time on my blogs every week. I read it all the time. How they will say almost anything from the Bible because that's the, what the popular... Right. The, that's what the popular thing is today to make, to make them sound more religious. They want to sound much more religious. Well, it, it's, it's interesting to me that in the la- one of the last verses of Romans chapter 1 that Paul implies, he says, um, after he lists a whole multitude of sins from from murder and adultery disobedient to parents he says he says talking about these people he says not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them right it, it implies that god not only uh condemns those people who practice them but those who approve it as well and so well, you know, this reminds me, Gary. Oh, I'll let you finish. I, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, just my, I had a, there was something that came up. It was late last night on Facebook. A friend of mine posts this. He says, there can be no social justice in a postmodern world. Now, in case you don't understand that partly, postmodernism is the idea that there are no absolutes. That One of the ideas of postmodernism is that the individual is all that there is. The individual's truth is truth to him. Morality is his morality, it's an individual-based uh, life philosophy. And um, somebody says nonsense. Well, I, uh, I put on there, here's what I said. I said, uh, I can't find it. I was down. Well, while you're looking at that, there's a verse I wanted to read Go that I think goes along with well, that. In Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 17, uh, Jeremiah says, uh, speaking for God, when he says me in this in this in this passage that's God because he's speaking he's a prophet he's speaking forth for God he says they continually say to those who despise me meaning God the Lord has said you shall have peace and everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart they say no evil shall come upon you so basically they're saying whatever is in your heart that's fine well the, the false prophets knew that the people did not want to go away into captivity for 70 years God had prophesied that this was going to be the case, and they didn't want to hear that, and so they said, well, no, that's really the truth is, it's peace. We're going to have peace. And Jeremiah said, no, no peace, because you disobey the Lord. My comment about there's no social justice in a postmodern world says that true justice requires an absolute moral standard. Otherwise, justice revolves around who has power. If there's no absolute moral standard, to live by, then how do you define what is just? Well, justice then gets defined by whoever has political power at that moment. And they or whoever, decide, or they whoever decide has physical power. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, I meant in, in the governmental right. sense or political sense, or, and it might be on the playground too, because there's no reason I shouldn't beat you up if there's no absolute morality if I want to, if I'm stronger. Well, that's so, exactly what's happening in our streets today. Whoever Look at what's happening power, in the city. That's what, and they enforce, they enforce by, by might their version of justice. Okay? Right. Their version of social justice is enforced because they think at that point they have power and the police then try to exert their power and the, only, and the one who the justice can come who has power. But in the scriptures, in the right sense of the word, justice is brought about by everyone bowing to the absolute standard of God's word, of God's own con- concept of justice. 
And so that's the reason why we can't have just any true justice or social justice in a postmodern world. It all, it all depends at that point, since there's no morality. Everybody has their own truth. You can't have truth. I mean, you can't have justice without truth. Truth, what, what was Superman's slogan? Truth, justice, and the American, the American way, way, something like that, if I'm not too old oh, that, that's, But that's from the 50s. That's... Truth and justice are related to one another. Okay? And they, they, one cannot exist without the other in the long run. And that's the problem. We, we had a country, for good or for ill in some ways, we don't always live up to what our ideals say. No organization, institution, government, or person lives up completely to their ideals. But the ideal was that, uh, that we were founded upon is that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the standard of justice. What the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are saying is that justice in American society should be founded upon the notion that men have a creator who has given them rights based not on American Supreme Court decisions or not on a police baton or tear gas, but justice has to come from the recognition that they have a creator who's given them certain rights and the government and other people should not infringe upon that. The government should not infringe upon it and the government should protect me from those who would infringe upon it with me. Now that's the foundation of our society. And that's the social contract, as it were. And when that is eroded by the idea that there's no creator and that men do not, and that there is no moral standard that's absolute, there will, he is correct, there will be no justice. And that's where Israel was. They were supposedly a nation that worshipped Jehovah, but they didn't. They gave him lip service. And the passage you read, Gary, showed that they were living whatever kind of life they wanted to live. They were every, everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart. And, you know, we've said this before, almost every Disney cartoon I've seen in the last 30 years has that as a theme. Right. It says, follow your heart. Well, your heart's not always the guide. Uh, something else is the guide, and basically justice and truth are found in the Scripture, and justice and truth are with God. What does he say? My word is truth. In Jeremiah 5, right in the same book, he says, uh, How shall I pardon you for this, Jehovah says? Your children have forsaken me and sworn by those that are not gods. When I had fed them to the full, then they committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops at the harlot's houses. Pornography. Immorality. They were like well-fed, lusty stallions. Each one neighed after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? So here he compares them to well-fed stallions who are neighing and stomping over the ground in front of their neighbor's wife's house, wife's house you see, so because they want their neighbor's wife. And they, they were all committing adultery in troops at the harlot's houses. And so we have a nation overloaded with immorality here in the book of Jeremiah. And God says, shall I not ju bring my justice on a nation like this? Why did that exist? These people were not worshipers of Jehovah. They were only that way in name, in name only, if that. And so we have this debate among the churchleaders.com people and other 
website, uh, blogs I read about how long should a fellow remain out of the ministry who's had an affair. And they have a debate about this. Well, should it be a few months? Should you not, not go out of any kind of service? And most people, and the most they surveyed all these, quote, pastors, now maybe a year he should remain out of the ministry after he has an affair. And then he can become a minister again. To me, so, it seems... So, to me, it seems it would be all dependent upon his repentance it, it and his change of heart. But that's a big SMH to me, shaking my head about the whole thing. Um, that that man should really rethink what he's doing in the ministry in the first place and what his life's about. And I'm not sure how long that would take. And he's going to have to then frame his service to the Lord on that basis from that point. Now, not that there can't be forgiveness, but, you know... How, how long should an embezzler remain not being a treasurer of a company, remaining the chief well, financial how, officer? You know, how long should a chief um, embezzler not remain the chief financial officer of a company before he gets let back in? Well, you know, that's really begging the main, the main question, isn't it? What went wrong? Why are you in the position you're in? You are know? there are there fruits of repentance? Yes. Uh, and, and but that but the idea is to what I was making is that they that uh, the whole idea even of service to the Lord as a pastor or minister is tainted by people's immorality. And now the standards are so low that um, it becomes almost disrespectful. Well, that's an an interesting point. We we talk about today, uh, apparently there are people who want to destroy this nation, the Constitution, and all the things associated with it, because it was founded on something corrupt. Uh, they, they want to actually literally tear it down and uh, put something else in its place. And yet uh, we see God offers man when he sins, and, and there are Christians. Who, there are no perfect Christians in this world, I'm, I'm sad to say. But God offers forgiveness when we turn and show him that we have turned. I look at the history of this nation and I say, yes, this nation had a vision of of fairness. It may not have lived up to it at the beginning, but has it improved since then? Has it shown any fruits of repentance? Uh, And I would say, yes, there are signs that this nation is just like perhaps a human being turning in the right direction and putting things in order. Well, my my point about that would be there aren't any perfect countries, and uh, all I'm going to, all I would, I keep pointing, I keep going back to the founding documents as containing a basic truth, basic truth that a nation could be rightfully built upon. We cannot expect the nation that we live in to mirror a church. It isn't a church. No. shouldn't be one. It can't be held to the same standards. And we can't expect worldly people who inhabit that nation to to like all those laws. we got a call, but let me finish what I'm saying here. But, but there was a... My point was that there was a basis for true justice built into our founding documents. We often failed at implementing that. But the solution is not to throw out the documents which held the key. It's not to throw the out the to objective. to go back to that, to that standard. 
Right. And infor- and now this, let's do it right. And I'll abandon it because we failed at that at times. And I would even argue that like individuals who, who try to do the right thing, this nation as general in general over 240 years has improved and tried to do the right thing. Has tried to live up to its documents uh, and has improved the situation. So anyway, that's just my view. But. All right, we have a call. Ken, are you there? Yeah, uh, how are you guys doing? Um, I got a question. I got a question. Uh, from some a comment I heard with Ruth, the comment was, "How how can you call yourself a Christian and support Trump?" So my question is: Was Jesus a Democrat? Was Jesus a Democrat? I don't even know how to begin to answer that question. Uh, I don't think so, in that he wouldn't support uh, taking God out of the platform of the party. And some things like that. Um, Don't think he would be but, supporting the gay rights movement. But, but th- there's there's also things in the other political party that I that I don't know that Jesus would support also, and certain certain attitudes. But I think that uh, look, the main thing that President Trump has done that I think religious people should be pleased with. This is just this is one thing. It's a big thing though. And I'm not talking about his personal moral character. I'm not talking about his crude language and those things uh, which I disapprove of. But he has done a lot and continues to do a lot to protect the religious liberty of Christians and people of all religions in the United States. More so than people who want to impose a politically correct uh, agenda upon us and who want to remove Christianity from the public sphere and limit the influence of churches and other religious people. He has done a lot to protect the individual liberty and in particular small churches like ours here who are on the fringe of what would be considered mainstream Christianity who believe in the literal resurrection of Christ and the literal inspiration of the Bible and uh, a, a real fundamental basic morality. He's done a lot to protect our religious, li- religious liberty. And for that, I am very grateful. That doesn't answer the charges about other things. But I, And I personally do not believe that he is a racist. I, I, I believe he believes in all... He, can't create a, he cannot create an economic policy that only benefits white people. But I don't believe he's a racist. I don't, I don't think he's that kind of person. He's just not, he's just not sensitive to using the language of the woke mob, the politically correct mob, about race. And therefore, since he opposes them in a general way, he must be a racist. It's like saying if, you know, uh, well, I want to give you an example of that. But they, they want to make take a specific policy statement and, um, well, it's come and then make that, if you disagree with that policy statement or this issue, you're a racist because you disagree with that. Well, that's a lot what of it, reasons to disagree with their various policies have nothing to do with race. Well, that's what it's come down to. If you disagree with them, you are a racist. That's part of the cancel culture. And, that, and that's where a lot of the opposition is coming from. But I, I don't, I, I'm more concerned mostly about two issues. This might come up before the election, personally. And I... I've spoken about this publicly here. Two issues that I believe I can talk to this church about as as a minister about politics. 
a lot of things I believe, and I believe fundamentally, and I preached some sermons on the Bible and the Constitution back in the fall of last year that you can look up on our website, weirddiscretions.com. I would encourage you to do so. I preached sermons before that, before the last election, about the, the government and the Christian that you can listen to. But there are two issues, and I think Gary generally agrees with me about this, that I know that I can rightfully stand before this group and address. Number one, as I mentioned before, who's going to protect my religious liberty and who is not? And the, the, the platform of one political party is not going to protect my religious liberty and uh, President Trump has. Will that be the only issue a person should vote on? I'm not saying that. I'm telling you that I believe it's pretty clear where, which one is going to be in, in my favor in that case. Secondly, and that's, my, that's the main interest of my life, is preaching the gospel freely in the country. So I'm, obviously I personally am interested in that. Secondly, the issue of who is supporting abortion as an issue as something that should be done. I believe abortion is immoral except in the rarest of cases, and even then I have my doubts. And I do not believe it should be up to the... I think that the, the party convention that just happened, their, their platform said that they would support abortion up to birth, up to the moment of birth. I, I'm completely against that morally. I believe that's, that's horrendous and immoral, and I believe the judgment upon our country is coming for that. So I cannot support candidates. That doesn't mean that any person who's a Democrat believes that. I'm just saying that's the party's position. I can't support that movement. I'm not going to support candidates who believe that and who push that. Regardless of many other issues about them personally, their personal morality is, is important, as I just mentioned about our former president, but it's not the only issue involved. A person might could have bad morals personally, but support issues that were beneficial to everybody else at large. So those are two issues that I believe I have a scriptural right to stand and a political right to stand up in the pulpit and talk to a congregation about without telling them who to vote for or addressing all the other issues that are there. And uh, many other issues are important, illegal immigration, Taxes, all those issues are important. I have opinions on all of those, but I generally don't address them too much from the pulpit because of I don't know that that's appropriate. I'm certainly not going to tell people how to vote because of those issues. Okay. Now there may be other things you may you may want to add or subtract from the list, but uh, those are the reasons that I could not support Hillary Clinton, for example, and I did not support Hillary Clinton for president because she. Sought, and I have some quotations here, quotes from her right here on my computer. She sought to take away, she showed me, I think she said she would try to take away and limit my right to speak out as a Christian about things I thought were right. She was going to limit the, the power of churches to speak out about certain social issues like gay marriage and homosexuality and all those things. She was in favor of abortions up to the point of birth. And so I could not encourage people to support her politically in spite of other issues that, that they might have liked me to support her for. I couldn't do that and would not do that. And um, I think the same thing, unfortunately, was hoping it could be different, going to be true with the current nominee. And um, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say about that. My, my whole family growing up were, were dyed-in-the-wool Southern Democrats. 
I can't support those policies of that party. Politics tells me that over time that may change and they may flip. The, the two positions may flip. Could happen. But uh, I don't know. Ken, are you still there to my rant well, here? Well, the, the other, the other no, side... Let Gary say something, then we'll get back to you. The other side of that is, are they going to do what they say they're going to do? And and I will go a little bit further than Mike. I will say that there's at least demonstrated in this president an attempt to do what he actually said he was going to do. Well, I, te- yeah, I, I, tend to, I tend to believe that most presidents, most candidates want to do what they say they're going to do. But sometimes they get in office... They lose their nerve, or they're just—they're trying to appease a bunch of different people, and so. Sorry, Mike. I'm 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 far more cynical than that. But they 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 do want to do certain things, and I I don't know I don't have anything else to go on except what they tell me they're going to do if they've never been president before. But I do I do I am telling what I'm saying though. I said I believe President Trump has already done things to protect religious liberty, even the religious liberty of people that disagree with him. Religious liberty isn't about just protecting conservatives' religious right. rights. I have no interest at all in keeping anyone who disagrees with me politically or religiously off this radio station or inhibiting their right to have a church service or whatever they want to do. I have no interest at all in doing that. I don't think that's productive to the search for truth, nor is it my right as a Christian or a citizen of this country to do that. So uh, if I'm going to talk about protecting religious liberty, I'm talking about protecting everyone's religious liberty well, then obviously there's going to be certain limits to everything. But, but I believe he's already done some things and demonstrated a willingness to do those things and take the heat for it. And I don't think that was true of previous presidents, both Republican and Democrat. Neither yes, yes. party did what he has done to protect religious liberty of Christians. Now, I, and I, I like people. I mean, I, I voted for people that didn't do anything to do what they said they were going to do, Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, well, basically there was there was no choice. But one thing I'd like to say about this, Mike, I'm a little bit more cynical than you about... That'd be hard to be they, 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 they honestly are going to try to do what they say because I've seen too many of them from time to time and follow what they say, contradict what they say, and they say at the time only what's required. Well, and that that's true. That's true. Now, and, now let me just say this. So this is terrible politics, but... I'm just going to use them for an example. These people are long out of the picture. Uh, I believe Bill Clinton was that kind of fellow. He he said what people wanted him to say because he likes people to like him. He's a glad-hander. He's a big happy guy. He's maybe the kind of guy that people like to have over for a party. So he would say things, and he would go back on. He even, he even voted to reform welfare, and the day after he told the people that opposed it, well, I'm going to try to get rid of that even though I just signed it, you know, that kind of thing. But his wife was not that way. His wife was much more of an ideologue, and it was hard-lined so all the way through, although I still think she had a lot of that politician built in her. But that's why I knew that when she said things like she said, I believed that she intended to carry them out. And um, now, that's just a feeling you get from certain politicians. What's Joe Biden? Joe, Joe Biden is a, probably a very nice guy. People get along with him. He's not a hardcore ideologue like Bernie Sanders or somebody and so therefore he's going to be influenced more by the winds of the day and the people around him than Barack Obama was for example 
And uh, so you get these different feelings about the way people act. And that, that's, but see, none of that is, none of that is material to a political party in the big picture and who you're going to vote for to some degree. You have to go on the general principles and what they're saying that they're trying to do and what the general drift of things are. And so I'm going to, I don't care which party it is, the next election may flip things entirely. It's not these, likely these that they're going to... issues, they're not likely to shift in my lifetime, but it could. I'm just saying, I don't care which is, whether it's an R or D, if that person, realistically, I believe, is advocating and looks like they're going to do things to protect my religious liberty and stop killing innocent children before they're born, including the majority of them being black children, uh, I, I'm not going to support that person. And I'm going to support the other person who's against those things. Now, will either one of them live up to their promises? Uh, well, they're, they're politicians. But and, uh, and I'm going to cast my vote. Not as, just that they're politicians, but I agree with you that they are in some ways restricted by the form of government that we have imposed. They're not dictators, because, are they? No, no. They, they can't be because if we live to the Constitution, the Constitution was designed to keep us from having a dictator. It was to divide the powers. It was to make things difficult to do. Uh, it's kind of like one, I think, uh, I forget who the character was in one of the movies. It says, uh, no person's freedom is safe while the legislature is in session. Right. I uh, think that's Mark Twain, but I may be wrong about that. Right, but it, it basically... Uh, it was in a movie, and and obviously, uh, every once in a while, the movies get it right, whether we like it or not. But the Constitution was designed to prevent that sort of thing. I really liked it when Congress was deadlocked, because they couldn't do anything. You say, Congress doesn't do anything, I'm happy, because they're at least not robbing me of higher, with higher taxes and restrictions on what th that I do. But I, I will have to give President Trump credit in that he said some things in the campaign that he said he would do, and while he has not accomplished all of them, he has given effort to those things and accomplished others. And I think that is a true statement. If you look at it honestly, now there are people out there in the news media that will never admit that. Uh, I just thought of the quote, and I can't find it here. Uh, <laughs> it's a fairly recent quote by someone like Minken or somebody saying that when you hear the word bipartisanship, you can be sure that some greater than usual deception is at work. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, when you hear them all agreeing, you can be sure that some greater than uh, usual deception is at work and, and it, it's going to cost you something. Grab a hold of your wallet. Anyway, uh, Ken, are you still there? Yeah, Mike. I'm here. All right. Now, what do you want to say about this? I'm sorry we got carried away here. That's all right. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to answer my own question. Was Jesus a Democrat? Is that your question? Yeah, and then I'm going to uh, change the subject. Yeah, please do. Yeah, and then I'm going to uh, change the subject. Yeah, please do. Okay, uh, Jesus, Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is not a Republican. God sets up kings and takes down kings according to accomplish his will. Well, I agree with that 100%. And, and sometimes the kings are not doing what he would say is his will in the sense of morality or anything like that. But in the long run, they're accomplishing his will. Now, the other comment I'm going to make 
this same person is big on voter suppression. You think that's a big problem, voter suppression. Well, how about this for voter suppression? 19 million blacks have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. That's permanent voter suppression. That's what I was talking about. It's, it's a destruction of a whole segment of a population, young people, abortion is. I would call that very final voter suppression. Well, I, yeah. well I, I, yes, and, and I, I, I do believe that um, voting is a responsibility that should be taken seriously enough to be a person should have to show some responsibility to be able to vote, to register, and to get to the polls or to see that I'm not going to be able to vote and so, uh, that, on that day, and so I'm going to have to get an absentee ballot. I'm going to have to show up with some with my ID and get ready to do that. I, I believe voting should be required. There should be some responsibility for that. I have to do the same thing to go to a doctor. I have to have the same kind of responsibility to even go get a, to go to the doctor. I have to have an ID and I have to be able to show this or that. I, almost everything I do, I have to whip out my ID for. Go try to withdraw money and from so, your bank right, without so, an ID. Right. So that's just because that's what's required to show responsibility. And I don't believe you should prevent anybody from voting by, you know, this test or that test, like was done sometimes in other parts of the, in the parts of the country in the past. But I think voting require is something that should be taken as a responsibility. I do. I do. Now this is all political, uh, but I do believe that people ought to vote on the same day for the most part, and and their votes ought to be counted immediately and right away and be done transparently. Now. All that being said, just because people have a right to vote doesn't mean that they're going to vote as they should or vote for a candidate that will support the will of God overall as a, in a moral sense. They will always support the will of God and that he is in ultimate control of things. But to, to uh, support his will, they may vote a lot of things that are destructive to people. And they may vote people in power that are destructive to his church even. But that just means that we as American citizens, as we have a right to vote and have a say in our government, that makes us more culpable for the immorality and failures of our government because we have a say in that. Well, you said something here that I think is important. God... I'm glad I finally did. Yeah, well, no, no, more more important (laughs) than I think people don't take note of it. Uh, not that it's it's any more or less important in, in one sense, but people don't note it. Uh, God says he's going to hold those leaders responsible for what they do. Uh, and since now you are a voter and you hold some responsibility for who is in office, my view is God's going to hold you to some degree responsible for what you've you better, done. You better do it wisely and with the right moral principles. But let's go back to Ken's point about true voter suppression, abortion is just that. It was initially touted in this country as a form of eugenics, of getting rid of the undesirables, as Martin Sanger would, Mar- Margaret Sanger would say in our population, which were the blacks and people and poor people, in her view, immigrants and people like that, which is reprehensible. But And that's one reason that a lot of principled conservative people are against abortion, because it, it, it's being practiced and pushed upon constantly pushed upon by by white people onto the black population um, as a means of birth control. And it's destructive. 
And so I, I just don't believe that that's the way it should. What the problem is, the problem is not abortion. Fundamentally, the problem is people being promiscuous and having sex outside of marriage and, and outside of a stable family. You, you see that that's a bit, a person having four kids in a stable marriage is not a problem in society. A person having four kids out of wedlock with no income, that's a big problem to society. It yeah. reverberates down through several generations. So there's a moral issue at stake there, which is causing cultural and social issues. The immorality is causing the social issue. And you can't expect godless politicians to have a solution, a correct solution to a, a social issue like that. Well, obviously, uh, that we have elected leaders that have made laws that have made it more profitable or essentially more economical for that kind of immorality to exist. Yes. They have rewarded that. It may be inadvertent, but everything has unintended consequences, and some of the laws that have been passed and and with regard to uh, uh, public assistance and other laws actually promote these things it's, yes. in society. And we, we can see that because of people's behavior with regard to this over time. Now, is that it, that's not said against black people or anybody else. That, that's, that's, just, that's just a statement about people, and I wish it weren't so. And the people that are bearing the brunt or the pain of this are often the poor. They're the ones that can afford to bear the brunt of it the least. But... but uh, Continuing and, and, and making the same system more prevalent is not the answer to the problem. You see, it's not the answer to the problem uh, at all. One of our textures said, if I can pull it back up here, um, John said that, uh, she said America, uh, Condoleezza Rice said America was born with a heart defect, meaning about that, that, that because, I guess because of slavery. And I, and I said, well, the solution is not to be, to be found in cutting out the heart. We have a heart defect, so let's cut the heart out. You know, let's let's get rid of the whole heart. There's a defect in the way it was made. No, you you fix the heart. Yes, you fix the main problem. You don't cut it out. Or you heal what's it. being you heal. It. That's what's being attempted to be done now, is to cut out the founding documents. But um, in any event, Ken, um, what else you want to say about this? Uh, well, nothing about this. All right, you want to change the subject? Go ahead. Sacrifice of trade. I think you. I think we had a conversation uh, on the show a good while ago about the Tabernacle of David. If my memory is correct, or the or the sacrifice of praise. So, but go ahead and let's. Uh, we we only got about eight minutes here left. So, and and before we can talk about that, we got to talk about the Tabernacle of David and the Feast of Tabernacles. And how they all relate. I have really much time to uh, get into this, but let me just reference the scripture for sacrifice of praise. It's Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. And then I'll give you a little, a little background on these. Uh, let me give you a little background on the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, first of all, the feasts, these are not Jewish feasts. The Bible does not call these Jewish feasts, any of them. They're the feast of the Lord. So with that in mind, it's something we ought to know about or be interested in, especially the Feast of Tabernacles. 
and I'll explain why. The Feast of Tabernacles is uh, marked by joy and thanksgiving and praise. It's the whole idea of tabernacles is having the presence of God. So when David started the tabernacle of David, it was because he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, which symbolizes God's presence. When Jesus was born, the angels said, Joy to the world. Not, not joy to Israel. Joy to the world. Feast of Tabernacles is not just for Jews. It's for the whole world. Jesus was born on Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles. It's one of the more overlooked feasts. Well, and what, and may interrupt just for a second. In that sense, it's, it was given to Israel, but all the feasts of Israel were given to the whole world in that they are all typological of the Messiah and the age of the Messiah, at least on that basis, much less more, I'm sure. Okay, let me uh, talk about how the Feast of Tabernacles was started. God commanded Moses to make the children of Israel dwell in booths or circuits, which is the Hebrew word for tabernacle, in the wilderness. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, what, what's, what's that all about? Okay, so Israel was leaving Egypt, leaving bondage. They were in the wilderness going to where? The promised land. Now I'm going to relate that to Christianity. We are saved. We are in the world right now, in the wilderness, in our temporary dwelling, our body, heading for what? Heaven. Yeah. That's my sermon this morning, Ken, Strangers and Pilgrims. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you can see that, that, that relates. That doesn't relate just to Israel. Oh, no, no, no. That's a... The Feast of Tabernacles was a type of, of God dwelling among his people and the people dwelling in God, wasn't it? So that's just the background of what Feast of Tabernacles means. It, it, it includes Jesus' coming and dwelling among us. It includes him dwelling with us now. And it includes waiting in heaven with him in the future. Well, this is also in John 8 and 9, the great feast, which Jesus stood up and said, I'm the bread of life on the water of life, and so forth, uh, in the temple. And most Christians would think that Passover was the great feast or that Yom Kippur, the day of Atonement, was the great feast, but that's not how the Bible refers to it. By the time of Christ, this Feast of Tabernacles had become very significant to them, and that was not an accident, as you're saying, because he was God tabernacling and dwelling among men is what, is how a lot of people have taken that. Let me, let me uh, give you a little American history here. Three minutes left, Ken, a little bit less than that. Oh, okay, okay. The pilgrims, before they came to this country, uh, were, were in Holland, and they lived next door to a Jewish community. 
that's where they learned about the Feast of Tabernacle. When they came to this country, they did not celebrate Christmas. They celebrated Feast of Tabernacles, Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving wasn't one day. It was either at least three days or seven days. Uh, at the first Thanksgiving, there were 51 pilgrims and 90 Indians. So it was patterned after the Feast of Tabernacles, our Thanksgiving holiday was? People, people when, when they're the Feast of Tabernacles, Jews invited other people to come and celebrate. They didn't do that with any other feast. Uh, well, you're bringing up a lot of other ideas to me uh, because what I saw when I was in Israel this past year is, and from reading the scriptures since, is how much of the gospel, how much of prophecy was about all the nations in Christ. And yet, when you read the, the way the Jews do it, it's only about the Jews. A complete misunderstanding and lack of emphasis on the right thing. Well, that was the mistake the first time around, also. Right. Uh, basically, he wasn't what they expected him to be in terms of their nation. Well, Ken, we're going to have to cut this off t this week and and pick it up again if you want to call back next week because our time is gone. Yeah, because yeah. I got I got some thoughts about this in terms of other I'll take a look at similarities. That's right. I'll take a look at these. I really appreciate this. It's a good thought, and I appreciate it. But we want to close out our show this morning by thanking you for listening. Take a, take a look at our website, wearejustchristians.com, and take a look at that. And, and join us for our service at 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard at 1011 today. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, my God, let it overflow.